Ultrasound Gel Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Ultrasound Gel Podcast. My name is Jacob Avila and I'm joined by Cray Bolger and Michael Pratz. So the article that we're talking about today is entitled Point of Care Ultrasonography in the Diagnosis of Retinal Detachment, Vitreous Attachment, and Vitreous Hemorrhage in the Emergency Department. And this was published in JAMA Open Network in uh, 2019. Um, Pretty exciting study here. Um, This study is all about the eyeball, uh, which is pretty cool. I think that it's uh, just this amazing thing that we can ultrasound because it's just this fluid-filled orb that's outside of the body. It's just perfect for ultrasound. Um, Ocular complaints are something that I see fairly frequently. And the one that we care about the most is retinal detachments, which there is some data that shows that we're decent at diagnosing um, and excluding retinal detachments. But this one goes a little bit further. Uh, It actually talks about being able to diagnose vitreous hemorrhage as well and vitreous detachment. So this study was great. And part of the reason is because it was prospective multi-center trial. So this was done in four different emergency departments in California. Two of them were academic, two were county hospitals, but all of them importantly had both emergency medicine residencies and ophthalmology residencies, as well as emergency ultrasonography fellowships. What they were looking for was patients that came in with any symptoms suspicious for these pathologies. So blurry vision, flashes, floaters, vision loss, So they had to have these symptoms and they had to have an ophthalmologic consultation that was part of the original plan. They excluded people that were kids less than 18 if they did not speak English or Spanish, if they declined or, and most importantly, or if there was any ocular trauma or suspicion for globe rupture. Remember that one, important. We don't like to squish all of the juice out of these broken eyeballs. That is frowned upon. So like I said, this was prospective observational. It was a convenient sample, but the way that it worked was point of care ultrasound was performed by the treating practitioner prior to seeing the ophthalmologist. The ophthalmologist was blinded to the point of care results. I feel like there's some pun in there that we could have made. (laughs) More... More than one diagnosis could be reported here. And what they were comparing the ultrasound results to was the final diagnosis as determined by the ophthalmologist after their evaluation. So likely as a result of their dilated exam and whatever else they wanted to use, whatever they came up with, that's what the gold standard was. They did a power calculation and they needed a sample size of 225 patients. And guess how many patients they got? 225. Yes, they did it. Now, who did the ultrasounds? Well, a lot of people did the ultrasounds. 75 different practitioners. And this was mostly physicians, but also some physician's assistants. So that's cool. And they all had a variable amount of point of care ultrasound training, but everyone did receive 30 minutes of didactic information and 30 minutes of hands-on scanning on healthy volunteers. Regarding the scan here, importantly, they used a linear probe on ophthalmologic settings. I think that's important, right? You want to decrease your mechanical and thermal index here to avoid damage to the retina. But they did both the transverse and sagittal views. So I know some people don't always do the sagittal views, but I think if we're talking about having good sensitivities here, Mm -hmm. you got to make sure you're not missing any part of that retina. 
So with that, I guess we could briefly mention these pathologies, although we've done that in the past. What they were looking for was for retinal detachments, bright echogenic membranes that are tethered to the optic disc. Posterior vitreous detachment is going to look like a detached, thin, mobile membrane uh, that's kind of coming off the back of the eye, but it's a little less hyperechoic than retinal detachments. Vitreous hemorrhage is hypoechoic fluid that kind of swirls in the vitreous, in the posterior chamber, and it seems to kind of swirl and rotate with the kinetic exam. So all of these patients got both a a, what they call a static exam where you're just fanning through the eye and then a kinetic exam where you're making the patient move their eye, which is super important in these pathologies because you can, what I like to refer to, kick up the dust of the posterior eye pathologies, whether it be showing the retinal detachment as it kind of floats around like a snake or whether it's just showing some of the posterior vitreous detachments, which are otherwise kind of hard to see if they're not moving around. So, Cray, take us through the results. What did they find? As Mike said, they had 225 patients. They excluded 27 people, mostly because the patients refused. Um, For retinal detachment, point-of-care ultrasound had a sensitivity of 96.9 with a specificity of 88.1. For vitreous hemorrhage, sensitivity was 81.9, specificity 82.3. For vitreous detachment, sensitivity was 43.5 with a specificity of 96%. Um, And I think that's important because I think that kind of relays the difficulty of which each of these diagnoses is to make on ultrasound. So retinal detachment is the most echogenic of all these pathologies and is most easily seen, has more clear-cut characteristics, Second to that would probably be vitreous detachment, which is when you're like, ah, it's kind of like retinal detachment light. You know, it's a little bit thinner, a little less pronounced, a little more squishy and mobile and less well-defined. And then vitreous hemorrhage is where you kind of stare at it and you're like, something doesn't look right with that posterior chamber, but is it truly pathologic? And I think in my mind when I've seen these and QA'd these, that's really what's coming out. And it's nice to kind of see these numbers back that. Um as far as like the sensitivity, my question would be, do we care about that vitreous hemorrhage? Because especially with the retinal attachment, that does matter because that's operative versus non-operative. And occasionally the vitreous hem- or detachments are. But the majority of the vitreous hemorrhages I've seen are conservatively managed anyway. So it doesn't matter that we're not as accurate with that diagnosis. Well, I think that that's like... That's perfect, right? I mean, if we look at the sensitivity of the one that matters the most, which is retinal detachment, we got 96.9%. And that's, I mean, that's really good sensitivity. Vitreous hemorrhage and vitreous attachments, like like you said, Cray, I mean, those are things that can actually be followed up in clinic like the next day. Those are not considered emergencies per se. So, I mean, I kind of agree with you. I think that the the thing that matters the most here is retinal detachment. And while we're not 100% specific for it, we are near 100% sensitive for it, according to this data. Well, I actually would prefer to see a higher specificity here. And let me explain myself. Because I don't usually use point-of-care ultrasound to rule out all of these pathologies so I can just send them away without seeing the ophthalmologist. I usually am using it so that I can rule in the diagnosis more quickly so I can kind of expedite their care. If I know this patient has a retinal detachment, I can transfer them if I need to, if I'm working at a community center, or I can just get the ophthalmologist to come down right away because this is an emergency then. 
So the fact that it has a pretty good sensitivity here, I don't know, is it good enough that I'm not gonna talk to the ophthalmologist emergently? Well, I guess it depends how suspicious you are and what your resources are. I, I think that's huge. I mean, for you and I'm assuming you have an ophthalmology residency there. We have one. And so getting an ophthalmologist, uh, like an ophthalmology resident to come and see the patient is super easy. Um, but I imagine being in a situation where you are in, in, you know, maybe you're in a standalone ER, the closest hospital is a two hour, you know, helicopter ride away. And the question is, do you transfer this patient or not because of their you know, likelihood of having vision loss? And in that situation, I think the sensitivity would matter more because it's the question is, do you need to transfer this patient or not? Um, so I, I think it depends on where you work. For me, um, usually, even you know, irrespective of my ultrasound, they usually are getting an ophthalmology consultation because that's, you know, that's our thing. And we have residents there to, to help us out with that. But not everybody has those resources. I think it's important, too, to remember what our gold standard is for this, that this is a dilated eye exam, and that is subject to human error as well, right? This isn't another imaging modality. It's kind of comparing apples and oranges a bit, and there's been plenty of times where I've seen vitreous detachment versus hemorrhage or concomitant vitreous detachment and hemorrhage as the final diagnosis. Uh, which makes me think that their ability to discriminate them on their physical exam is not 100% either. So we're comparing our POCUS diagnosis to an imperfect gold standard, which I think is always key because we hold ourselves with POCUS to this, you know, sensitivities and specificities of, you know, 90 plus percent for almost all of our diagnoses because we don't want to miss anything which is a gold standard that many other imaging modalities and physical exam findings aren't even coming close to. So I think whenever we talk about POCUS sensitivities and specificities, it's important to kind of gut check ourselves and say, but what's reality? Because I think we want these like perfections so that we don't miss things because we're still kind of the new kid on the block with a lot of specialties. And I think that's really important to keep in mind is how good are their physical exams if that's our gold standard. I also am curious about these lower accuracies for vitreous hemorrhage and vitreous detachment if they weren't really cranking up the far field gain on these because that's one thing that I see people that are early to ocular ultrasound missing out is if you don't really max out the gain you're gonna miss some stuff in that posterior vitreous and you unlike retinal detachment you can see pretty readily even if it's not uh, that high of a gain but otherwise these other things can be really subtle and if it's not literally overgained, you're going to miss some of that stuff behind the eye. Although there is um, this article that talks about these uh, mobile, was it mobile vitreous opacities or something like that, that when you overgain it, you're more likely to pick up some, you know, like smuts in the posterior chamber that actually isn't anything. So that might actually, if you increase the gain too much, especially in the elderly population, um, you're much more, I think that would decrease your specificity even more depends if you want a good specificity or good sensitivity. Yeah, I was looking call. for sensitivity because these, when you look at vitreous detachment, it already has a pretty good specificity, and but the sensitivity is like 40%. So maybe that's why that's so low. And you're right, maybe we want a more specific test in that case. A few limitations I want to bring up here. Although this is a multi-center trial, it looks like most of the studies were done at a single site. Over 75% of them came from one place and just a few from 
the other three yeah, places. Yeah, shout out to Loma Linda University Medical Center. It's my alma mater with four patients. Another important point, and this was actually brought up in the accompanying article by our good friend John Baylitz, that we still need some patient-centered outcomes for ocular ultrasound, right? This is a really great study about the accuracy of the test, but now let's shift it and find out if this test is helping people get to a diagnosis earlier, getting to their surgery earlier, or helping them in some way that's meaningful to the patient. Okay. Let me summarize the study. This was multicenter, prospective, observational study of patients with concern for ocular complaints. They enrolled 225 patients. They found that retinal detachment has a sensitivity of 97%, specificity 88%. Vitreous hemorrhage had a sensitivity and specificity in the low 80s. Vitreous detachment was specific at 96%, but not very sensitive. Take home points. In the largest prospective study that has been performed to this date, ocular ultrasound is pretty sensitive for retinal detachment, but it's not that specific. It is also pretty specific for vitreous hemorrhage, but otherwise not that useful for vitreous hemorrhage or vitreous detachment. Lastly, ocular ultrasound is not a replacement for your ophthalmologist. We talked about this a little bit, but if possible, remember, you shouldn't throw out your brain, still do what you think is right. If they need to see an ophthalmologist, get them to the ophthalmologist. This is one tool that can help you in that decision making. I want to thank the authors for performing this excellent study, and thank you for listening to our podcast. If you want to find out more, go to ultrasoundgel.org. You can check out our Facebook page or talk to us on Twitter, where we'd love to hear from you. Until then, we'll talk to you later. Wait, we could start doing shadow puppets. Yay.